That's the first prayer where I heard, gird our loins. Um, I don't think I've ever heard that phrase in a prayer before. It's powerful. Don't exactly know what it means, but I'm sure that it's a good thing. All right. Oh, man, it's good to see. Is this working? Is it recording? Or is any, can you give me a little bit more volume? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really blessed to preach to you guys today. Actually, our, our sister, uh, our pastor, uh, Lydia, community care pastor Lydia was supposed to preach today, but I felt like it was more befitting for me to end off the year of me preaching. And so I decided to, uh, preach today. And then, uh, pastor Lydia is going to preach for me when I'm in Phuket in, in January when I'm party. Just kidding. So we kind of switched and uh, yeah, I feel honored to preach to you guys on the last uh, Sunday message of 2012. And I'm going to continue my series of developing uh, a sense of cause. It's a sermon series I started a while back. And uh, we've had guest speakers and we've had other uh, preachers come along the way. So uh, this is going to be my fourth message in this series. I'm going to give you just a short recap of what I've been preaching about. Uh, my first sermon was uh, putting the foundational, fundamental things first. You know, like God, when he looks at you, he doesn't really look at all the stuff that he can do for you, that he can do for you. He doesn't care so much as all the, the mighty plans that you think that you have for God. But what he's more interested in is what you're becoming. Yeah. He's more interested in, in, in the relationship that he has with you. You know, he's more concerned about the character that you're developing in. And, and he's, he's more interested in obedience than any kind of sacrifice that you can give him. And so that was my first message. It's called Fundamental Things First. Uh, my second message was mission of submission. You know, God places us in spiritual authority. He places us under spiritual authority to really establish his rule and reign over us. You know, and as people of God, we need to put ourselves under spiritual authority. Because it's in that authority that we get the blessings of God. You know, we have our core value of submission flows from the top down. And it's kind of what it basically means. We see, we see how, how Eli, uh, he was, he, 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 God prepared him. By being under submission of, uh, uh, no, Samuel was, God prepared him being under the submission of Eli. Mm-hmm. Same with David. You know, David, he, he was an already anointed king. You know, God, Samuel came and said, you know what, I'm going to anoint you to be king. But it took him a season of being under submission to Saul. Even though his character was bad, even though he was all kind of messed up in the head. You know, David always submitted to him. He never, even when he was coming after him, trying to kill him, David still submitted. And it was in that submission where God is able to, to develop your character, to really raise you up and really make you the, the man or the person of God that he wants you to become. And so that was my second message was called Mission of Submission. Uh, my third message, I preached it a few weeks ago, it was called He Tests You. God uses tests to really build up our character. He really he uses tests to, to not just test us and mess with our heads, but he tests us so that he can really develop a sense of call in our lives. And I gave you the example of Abraham, how Abraham, uh, God told Abraham, you know, sacrifice your son, your only son, your, the, the son that you've been waiting your lifetime to have. And I always say, I want you to sacrifice. And it's not because our God is a cold, sadistic, like, you know, like mean God that wants to like mess with Abraham. But he did it so that he could really develop Abraham's sense of call. After he, he went all the way up to that mountain and was about to, to say, I'm not doing it, God, because you told me to do it. And God's like, whoa, 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 stop. And in that moment of submission, and in that moment of, of Abraham really surrendering everything, that test 
gave Abraham an amazing sense of call for his life, of what everything that he, God was going to do for him and do in him and through him. So that was my third message. Today I'm going to look at a little bit more before I start the actual the meat of my message. I want to kind of show you a little bit more of what it means to have a sense of call. I mean, to have a sense of call. You know, a lot of people know, you know, they might know that what God has called them to do. You know, like a lot of people like, yeah, man, God told me to be a K-pop star. So that's my that's my that's my call. But there's there's no there's no sense of call to really get him there. You know, and, and they, he, they actually might have had that call at one point. But it's a sense of call that's going to get him there. It's a sense of call. Knowing the daily, what to do every day, how to relate to God, how to connect with God, that's going to really ultimately lead you to that place of you fully experiencing God's calling on your life. And so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 24. If you guys turn your Bibles to me to Genesis chapter 24. We're going to look at, uh, we're going to go a little bit more a few chapters after, you know, Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac. And we're going to go to a time when Abraham's really old, you know. He was already old. I think he was like in his 90s or something or like over 100 when he, when he has, had Isaac. He's really old now, you know, like he's like 150. I don't know exactly how old he is, but it says in the Bible, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the, of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But will you go, but will you, will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac? The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land, but I then must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. Um, this reminds me of a video that me and brother Roy and uh, my, my best friend, uh, Pastor David, back in Hillside, we made this video. We, this is a, a very weird, like, like a, a covenant. It's called a thigh covenant. And so it's like Abraham makes the servant put his hand on his thigh and, and, and swear to him. And we just thought that it was really funny. And so me and David and, uh, and Brother Roy, we made, actually made a video. It was actually like a small little drama about, about the thigh covenant. Uh, we made it. If David, you're listening, yeah, it was bad because uh, we made it and then we realized it was really offensive. And so we couldn't show it to anybody. So it's like somewhere on my computer. But I remember making this covenant, like making this video about the thigh covenant. And it's a really weird covenant, you know, Abraham. And it's a really, it's a deep covenant because Abraham is really taking this very seriously. He's like, you know what, make this covenant with me. It's not just the problem. It's like, like you know, like it's the most vulnerable part of who I am. Like I'm, I'm giving you access to this, but let me make this promise with me, you know. And we read in the previous chapter of Genesis how God really called Abraham out out of the land where he was at, to a foreign place uh, where he knew really very little of. And, and God really tested him in that place. You know, he tested him. God really gave him this call. And he not only knows that God wants him to be in the, in the land of Canaan, but he has a, a strong sense of call to this land. I mean, he has a really strong sense of call to the land of Canaan. And so even when it comes down to finding a wife for his son, 
He didn't want to go back to his hometown. I mean, he sent his servant. And when his servant said, you know what, should I, if, if she doesn't come with me, should I, should I bring my son, should, should I come and get your son to go with me? He's like, no, don't take my son back there. And, when, and, and the point I want to get at is when God calls you to something or to some place and he confirms it and he tests you and you know that it's from God, it's very important that you don't go back to where you came from. No, it's one thing to know God's plan, but it's another to have a sense of call for God's plan. And Abraham had a sense of call to his plan. And he knew that this is where he belonged. Right? This is like, this is the land of Canaan. God said that I will, the, the Lord said, I will inhabit, I will, this will be my land. And God had called me to this land. This is going to be my place. And it's going to be for my offspring. And, and he was so, so dug into his call that even when it came down to finding a wife for his, for his son, he wasn't willing to go back. And you know what? So many times, you know, we, we, get, we feel that we have this calling from God. And we're like, man, God, you brought me here. But at the minute things get tough, they want to go back to where, where they came from. You know, we opened our service in the month of April last year, 2012, this year. And, uh, you know, and though it may have started in April, it was started in the minds of the core leaders of New Philly like years ago. And, you know, through a lot of praying and a lot of, you know, interceding and really asking God how we should do this. You know, a bunch of people were asked to take part. They were punched. They were asked to, you know, would you consider going, moving down to Puzan and establishing this church plant? And out of all the people that were asked, 10 people were, were actually volunteered and were chosen to come down here. And it wasn't a decision that people made lightly. And we all prayed. Now, I prayed. Every one of the t- church plant team members, they prayed. They asked God. And they came to a realization that this is what God was calling us to. And even when me, this is around the time when me and Mina were, we were beginning to date. You know, we were like, all right, let's get married soon. I'm going I'm to propose to you eventually. And we were in this place of like, you know, we were starting this life together. But even when it came down to making a decision about coming here, we did it separately. We didn't do it like, oh, do you, do you want to go? Oh, I don't know. Do you want to go? No, we didn't want that. So as I, we went into our prayer closet separately. I asked God, God, should I go? It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. I don't want my first year of marriage to be all like crazy like this. You know, I want to have fun. You know, like, God, should I go? But then God he clearly told me, like, you got to go. This was before I even knew I was going to be campus pastor. This was before all that. God's like, you got to go. You're called to this land. So I, I, I talked to Pastor Mina. I was like, what do you think? And, it, and she said, what do you think? I was like, oh, I think, I, think we should, I think we're supposed to go. And she's like, yo, that's what I got too. And it's a calling that was very real to us. Because we prayed and we, and we went after it with God. Yeah. You know, and what I want to tell you guys is that when, when, when God says, I'm taking you to the promised land. When he says things like, you know, this is the, this is the land that I'm going to deliver you to. Do not go back to the place where you came from. You know, imagine what it would have been like if we came here to Busan and we started this church. But every week we're going back to Seoul. Oh, man, I love Seoul. Yeah, Busan's all right, but, you know, I'm going to hang out here. And then, oh, I guess I got to go to Sunday service in Busan again. You know, what, what do you think would have happened to our callings if we kept on going back to Seoul? You know, when I came here, God really spoke to me very clearly. He said, you know what? Le- don't leave your heart and soul. Make sure it's here. And he clearly, specifically told me, because you're the campus pastor, you have to set this example. And, and your, your heart and your mind and everything has to be here. And it was hard for me, man. I was like, I left my best friend back in Seoul. 
You know, I love my, this community, but I was like, man, I belong here. This is my place. Yeah. I'm not going back. You know, and, and, and since then, you know, we've gone back only for like church related events and, and my cousin's wedding, but it wasn't for anything frivolous. We didn't go there just like, oh, I don't just want to go there and hang out. You know? And God made this really real to me and real to me. And as campus pastor, I asked the team to also make this commitment. You know, and they've been very faithful in keeping that commitment. And when God calls you to a place, you can't go back to where you came from. You know? You, 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 you know, the Israel, Israelites, God took them out of the desert. God took them out, you know, of, of Egypt and, and took them out of slavery and brought them into the wilderness and said, you know what? I'm going to take you into the promised land. They had this crazy, like, ah, you're good. This is yours. Gave them this calling. But at the minute of hardship, they just started making plans on going back. Like, man, I'm going to go back to Egypt. Man, at least there's food over there, man. And we can't go back. Abraham right here has the right idea. He says, see to it that you don't take my son back there. He's like, you know, don't take my son back there. And this is where I belong. This is where God calls me. You know, and, and you know, you can go and get a wife for him, but you know, we're, I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. And my son's not going to go. And we're not going to go back. It says in Luke 9, verse 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and look back, looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. It's like, it's not even about going back. It's about looking back. Don't even look back. No, when, when people, some of us, we've gone through healing and deliverance in our church. God's really freed you from a lot of bondage, a lot of, a lot of uh, hurts, traumas, you know, like sin in your life. God's really freed, freed you and delivered you from this, this thing. And God's saying, don't look back at it. Don't look back. And people, sometimes they're like, oh man, God freed me of this, but. But they start looking back, and all of a sudden they find themselves back in that place. You know, Lot's wife, you know, coming out of Sodom and Gomorrah, they went out to check out Sodom and Gomorrah, and the angel of the Lord came and said, Man, you know, you guys got to leave, because God's going to come and going to destroy this land. There's too much wickedness, too much debauchery. God's going to destroy this place. He said, Go, leave now. Take everyone you love and leave. Get out of here. Don't even look back. And they're like, all right, man, I guess we're going to go. It's fun here, but I'm going to leave. And they start leaving. And then what does Lot's wife do? She looks back. And what, she, what happens to her? She becomes a pillar of salt. <laughs> Don't look back, man. Don't look back. When God's delivered you, when God's called you to somewhere, when you look back, it's a lack, it's, you look back because of a lack of faith. And that's not the main point, point of my message today. It's uh, something that I just wanted to add because, you know, it, it, it involves developing your sense of call. When you have a sense of call, when you've developed your sense, when God has developed your sense of call, you're not going to look back at the things that you're leaving behind. You're not going to look back. And when, and when you're in the place where God calls you, you're not going to be looking back. Um, this is more like a, this is kind of like a, a, a mini, mini sermon. Within a sermon, I guess. Um, it's like one of those, uh, those, those uh, video shorts at the beginning of Disney movies. I don't know if you guys seen it. Yeah. yeah. They have them, right? I saw one called Wreck-It Ralph recently. Great movie. And they had a really good uh, short at the beginning of it. Wreck-It Ralph has biblical themes in it. You guys may not know. Who's, who's seen that movie? All right. I'm not going to spoil it. But there's biblical themes in there, man. When I saw it, I was like, man, 
That's like there's like like biblical principles in this movie. Um, but getting off that subject, my main part of my message comes from Genesis 24. It's what we were reading earlier, and at the part of the message, I want to look involves um, Isaac's wife Rebecca, or Isaac's soon-to-be wife Rebecca. So you know Abraham makes his servant make this covenant, this thigh covenant with him. And you're going to say, go and find a, find a wife for my son. And we're going to read in verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master's camel. Remember that number, ten. And departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening. The time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, go out, God of my master Abraham. Please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Now, you see right here, we see a very interesting point. You know, we see the servant who's probably not, you know, like, he's probably a pagan to begin with. But we see him praying to, to, to God. You know, we see here what happens when, when a man puts God first. The, God, the godly life that Abraham lived affected the people around him. You know, his, his servant is found praying because where, where did he learn that? He learned it from watching Abraham pray. I mean, and when you have a strong sense of call and you're putting first things first, you influence the people under you. That's just a good lesson to know. I mean, and, and, and when you're not influencing and when, when, you, when, when, when the people that are under you are, are not, you know, when they're all like going all, doing all rebellious things, you got to check yourself. You got to understand, you know, am I, am I putting first things first? Am I walking right with the Lord? No, but right here, what the, what the servant does, right? It might be because, you know, he's just, he's a, a new believer or whatnot, but you should never pray like this. Now, he does something here that we, when you're immature and when I was immature, I would do a lot. You know, it's called fleecing. And it's like, it's like, it's like God, he, what does he do? He's like, God. I'm going to put the camels next to this to spring, and I'm going to make them kneel down, and then I'm going to ask the women, will you give me some water, and will you feed my camels? And the, first, the one that does it, I'm going to say that, that, that that's the one that you've chosen. I mean, and that, that's wrong in the sense that because we're, we're setting the conditions. I mean, we're setting the signs that, that come from God. You know, it's called fleecing. It, it comes from the, the book of Judges when... when, um, when uh, Gideon was he, he put the, a piece of fleece out there and said, you know what? God said, you know, go out you know, with his army and, and defeat the Midianites. And he's like, man, I've never done anything like that before, God. And so he's like, you know, I'm going to put this you know, piece of cloth out there. And if the ground is dry and the fleece is wet, I'm going to know that it's from you. Right. And he wakes up the next day, ground is dry, the fleece is wet. And he does it again, all right? If the, the ground is wet and the fleece is dry, I know I'm going to know that it's from you. Right. And the same thing happens. Now, this is a way of testing God. And it says in the word of God. Don't ever put our, the, our God to the test. You know, and, and we've done this before. We're like, man, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, um, to ask Mina out. I want to ask Mina out. So uh, I'm going to send her this text. And if she responds before midnight, it, it means that she likes me. 
<laughs> I mean, you all do that, you know? You guys do it in silly ways, but sometimes we really do it with God. You know what I mean? And it's a way of testing God. Don't let, don't set the conditions. Look towards God for the signs. Because when the signs come from God, you know that it's real. I mean, but when you're setting the, when you're setting the signs, when you're like, God, you know, I'm going to do this. And if this happens, I'm going to, I'm going to know that it's from you. No, that's, that's not the way that we, we're to pray. But you know, God in his grace answers the servant's prayer, you know, but moving on, we see here that the servant, before he can even finish his thought comes Rebecca. And, and what do they say about Rebecca? If you read on, it says she is an attractive woman. She's good looking. You know? She's fine. He's like, whoa. All right, maybe she's the one. You know, and then she's carrying this jar on her, sh- on, her, on her shoulder. And she's going down to the, to, the, to the spring and she's drawing up water. And I want to ask you, what was Rebecca doing when the servant saw her? What does it say? It says that she was drawing water. She was pulling up water from the... You now back then, there was no faucets. There was no sinks. There was no hose where you could fill up a bucket. If you needed to get water, you had to go down with a jug of water, or like a jug, and, pick, and get it and come back. And you probably had to do this a few times throughout the day. Right? It was something, it was very, it wasn't an exciting thing that you did. You know, like, like the great man of the village didn't go down, oh, I'm going to go get water. As a matter of fact, she was doing regular, everyday, humdrum, mundane things. She was in the mundane. You know, and I've had a few sidetracks along the way, but my main point today is about the mundane. God develops your sense of call in the mundane. In the humdrum, everyday, routine things that you do, God is, that is where God develops your sense of call. We see Rebecca here drawing water. You know, she's not a princess. She's not an important daughter of an important man, of a wealthy man. As a matter of fact, she's probably doing a mundane part of her job that, in, that mostly consists of a bunch of other mundane things. You know, women back then, they did mundane things. They drew water, gathered wheat, you know, did the laundry. They, didn't, they weren't president like they're now in Korea. <laughs> and this is, this is the kind of life that most women had back in the days. And her being a young girl, she was probably put in charge of things of less significance, you know, like getting water. And the regular everyday routine, these mundane things, is where God develops your sense of call. And my message for you today is that God develops your sense of call in the mundane. And sanguines here are going to hate this message. I'm telling you, man, because sanguines, we hate the mundane. Like, man, God, just let me, I'm not just going to, give me that remote control. I want to just fast fruit through this mundane thing so I can get to the exciting things. But, but then the melancholies in here are like, yes. Yes. Right. You know, but in the mundane is where God develops your sense of call. How does he develop our sense of call in the mundane? First, he develops your faithfulness in the mundane. Does your job feel mundane to you? Who in here has a mundane job? Raise your hand. You think you have a mundane job. Oh, yeah, some of you guys are liars. There you should be raising your hand. A lot, most of you guys in here are English teachers. And you know what? Some of you guys might be called to teaching. And every day it's exciting and adventurous. You know, when, they, when, when your kid says, she have many toys, you're like, yeah. I'm a, I, I love correcting this. I love correcting. It's 
He, she has many toys, little boy. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my jam. Some of you guys, this might, this might be the way you are about teaching. And you know what? God bless you. But for many of us, like me, teaching feels mundane sometimes. Amen? Some of you guys, you guys tell me, I told you it's has, not have, in the next class. I told you it's have and not has, you know? It's very mundane. Because all these kids have the same mistakes every time. Let me tell you about some, some people that, in the Bible that have mundane jobs, mundane jobs. Joseph, you know, Joseph became the prime minister. He was a butler. You know, he was a butler in Potiphar's house. And, and it wasn't like Jeffrey on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Or you had Will Smith telling jokes, running around, Uncle Phil going after Will. It wasn't like that, man. It, you, you, all you did was clean, clean the house, do the laundry, make the food. It was a mundane job. You know, he, he, every day he had to do these mundane things as a butler in Potiphar's house. Now you look at a man like Nehemiah. Okay, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. You know what cupbearers do? They taste the wine of the king to make sure it's not poisoned. So basically it's every day it's like, Nehemiah, try this. Here you go. It's fine. Nehemiah, try this. Here you go. It's fine. Nehemiah, try this. Uh, oh, it's fine. It's like, this is what cupbearers do, man. That, that's their existence. You know? The most exciting thing is that he might die. <laughs> no, but you don't even get to enjoy it because you're dead. <laughs> you know, another person with a mundane job was David. And David was a shepherd. It's one of the most mundane jobs. Sheep are dumb. <laughs> They're dumb, and they just, they just sit there and eat. And then do the stuff that happens after you eat. That's all they do. And you're just basically moving from one patch of grass to another patch of grass. And you're just following them, making sure that they don't fall into some, some kind of a ditch or something. These three guys, these three men in the Bible, they can relate to some of you guys. And having a mundane job, a mundane role in your life. You know, I right now, I, you know, there are times when I feel like I have a mundane job. It's, it's exciting being campus pastor, but you know I work at Sharkies, and there's times when I'm doing the doing the laundry. I mean, when doing the dishes, I'm like, man, this is very mundane. And and on certain certain days where I'm just making the same food over and over again, and it can get really mundane. But it, some of you guys might might be saying, what does my boring job have to do with God's call for me? You know, what what is it? How how is this boring job of me teaching these kids the same pages in this book? Every class, how does this, how, what does this have to do with God's call for my life? And we start distinguishing in our minds between sacred and secular call. You know, Pastor Christian, he's in seminary, he's, he's the lead pastor of this church, he has a sacred call. Man, that's good for him, but me, I'm just called to the secular call to just make some money, you know, feed my family, and, and give my tithe. You know, that's, that's my secular call. A few weeks ago, we heard a, a brother named Alex Lim preach at the, a sermon at the Hillside Campus. It's about work. And he, 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 made, he said that there's no distinction between sacred and secular call. This is actually a, a line of thinking. This is a teaching um, out of the Reformers and Martin Luther back in the day. And Martin Luther basically said there's no distinction between secular and sacred call. 
In the eyes of God, there is no sacred or secular call. For every call from God is sacred. Whether call to the pulpit, or your call to the kitchen, or your call to both. <laughs> Whether you're called to raise up a leader, or you're called to raise up your, your kids. And in us following certain calls in our lives, we might end up in a place where we're living out the mundane. But it's in those mundane times that we need to develop our faithfulness. And one of our core values is to be faithful in the small things. And sometimes, like Rebecca, those small things are very mundane things. Faithfulness for big things come from first being faithful in the small things. God's plans and purposes for your life are grand. They're awesome. You know what? Every single one of you guys have a mighty purpose and a plan from God. And it's amazing. But in order for God to get you there, you might have to go through the mundane. You know, whatever field that you, God calls you into, whatever industry, you know, it's like, you know, there's, there's not some people that have this amazing plan of God and then some people that have just regular normal plans of God. We all have amazing plans from God. All the plans that God has for us, it says in the Bible that they're good. They're good. They're, they're perfect for us. They're amazing. But in order for us to get and reach our, 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 our perfect calling from God, we need to go through the mundane. And we need to be, develop our faithfulness in the mundane. You know, so how did God develop Joseph's faithfulness to be a prime minister? You know, it was in the mundane days that he was faithful as a butler. God developed Nehemiah's faithfulness to, to build up the, the walls of Jerusalem. You know, to rebuild the walls of the temple. And he got that by being, going through the mundane task of drinking, sipping on wine for the king. Like four or five times a day. God developed David's faithfulness to be, faithfulness to be king through the mundane assignment of being a shepherd boy. God develops our calls for the mountain by training, training us in the valley. He develops faithfulness in mundane assignments. Let's move on. Verse 17 and 18. It says, Rebecca goes down the spring to fill up her jar something that she did every day. It wasn't a special day. This is her regular thing. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please, give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon the hand and gave him a drink. And my next point is, God builds your character through mundane assignments. First was what? Faithfulness. And the next is character. He develops your character in the mundane assignments. Now, you see her response when asked, can you give me a drink? She says, what? Drink, my Lord. She didn't have to do that. She could have been like, oh, you're a man. Why can't you get it yourself? Can, I, can, I, can you give me some water? Your face. That's a joke about Anna Rose. She says that to me all the time. She could have been like, no, man. Why don't you get it yourself? You're a man. Go find a jar and, and get some of your own water. But no, but Rebecca went out of her way to give the stranger a drink. Yeah, that's good. You know, it says in the Word, Jesus said himself, when, when a man asks you to walk with you one mile, you walk with him too. Mm-hmm. That's character, guys. Yeah. And here, Rebecca is demonstrating character. She had character. 
And well, like, and you're like, well, you know, I give water to my husband every day. That's nothing about character. I just gave him a drink of water. What does that have to do about character? You know, let's let's move. Let's read on. It says, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, "I will draw water for your camels also, until they have finished drinking." So she quickly emptied her jar into into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. How many camels were there? Ten, Ten camels. You know how many how much water camels drink? A lot. I looked at Wikipedia. This is my source of most of my facts. That's just a pretty decent source, you know what I mean? You know, it said the average camel, average thirsty camel, can drink from anywhere from 23 liters up to 100 liters, depending on how long that they've been traveling. And so, let's say that you know these camels are thirsty and they drink. About 23 liters, okay? There are 10 of them. Right? Our car holds about, what, 30, 40 liters of gas. So basically, she's drawing with, you know, it's not like she had this big gallon, like five-gallon drum. She had a jar. So, I mean, she had to go there and draw water over and over and over again. It probably took her a couple of hours. You know? This, was, this wasn't her being friendly. It, was her, it wasn't her just being a neighborly girl. It was... Her demonstrating character. And what the servant did here was to choose a sign, something that most ordinary girls would not have done. Like he's like, he made this sign, and although it was kind of not in the right way, he did it because he knew that a normal, regular girl without character would not do this. They would have been like, Psh, tickled on. Because <laughs> that's a lot of water, man. And this was a sign of character. It wasn't easy. She wasn't like a burly man. She didn't have all these muscles. And she says, what does it say? She was attractive. She's probably very delicate. She didn't have no like big arms and to draw this like, man, here you go. She, 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 and it was, it, she had to go out of her way and she had to demonstrate character in order to fulfill this task. And where do you think God developed her character? It says nowhere that she was doing all these grand things. What we know of her is that she was a typical young woman. And was doing what typical young women did at this time. Was to go down to the spring to draw water. And it was in this mundane assignments where God developed Rebecca's sense of call. She had character. And she, God developed her character in the mundane. And a lot of us today, here in, in New Philly, we are in the season of our mundane assignments. Do you know that? You know, some of you guys are students. And you're like, man, I can't wait till I stop having, having to read these books and do these tests and write these papers. These mundane assignments. Some of you guys are teachers. And though there's a few of you in here like that, that, that love, love teaching English, man, a lot of us, this is a season of our mundane assignment. Even exciting things can end up being mundane. You guys know that? Mm-hmm. Moving here and starting this church, man, it was exciting. We were here, we're like, yeah, man, this is exciting. I love this. But you know what? After a while, it did get a little mundane. 
And let me tell you, it's not necessarily because we're doing something wrong. It's because God was developing our character in the mundane. Marriage. Exciting, right? You know, we've been married for one year. And man, it is exciting. I love it. It's amazing. Marriage is good. But even marriage at times can become mundane. Cleaning the house. Doing the laundry. Waking up and going to work. But I'm realizing that it's in the mundane things, like doing the dishes and hanging the laundry and vacuuming and doing the dishes, (laughs) that God is trying to develop my character regarding my marriage. He develops our character in the mundane. And he develops our faithfulness in the mundane. Mm -hmm. In the mundane assignments that we have, we have to try to find God. A lot of people hear my testimony and they're like, man, you guys, you lived an exciting life. Went to prison, did drugs, went on high-speed chases, did drugs, and it's great. I lived a pretty exciting life. But you guys don't know that a lot of my life has been very mundane. First of all, going to prison, very mundane. You did the same thing over and over again. And I remember specifically, I went to prison and I... uh, I, I, I had a strike, and so I couldn't really get it. Like, when you're in prison, you can get jobs, right? When you're in a low-level prison, you get a job. They pay you, like, 30 cents an hour. And then you can actually, like, save up that money and have, like, 90 bucks at the end of the month and buy, buy like, from the candy. I didn't have a job because I, I, I had a strike, so I couldn't get a job. But I remember for the first year, I had no job. I was just watching TV, like, hey, man, it's cool. But after a while, I, it was getting a little boring. And so I asked. I asked the lady, this is a big black woman, I forgot what her name was, she was real cool. I was like, man, can I, can I get a porter job? Porters are the ones that clean up the dorms that you're living in, right? And so, like, when everybody's count time, everybody had to be on their bunks, porters get to get up and, like, go and clean and kind of mess around and have fun. And so I remember I asked her, and she's like, all right, Lee, you, I'm going to give you this job. And so she put my name on the porter list, right? So I, every day, three times a day, actually, I was an afternoon porter, so it was only twice a day. Lunchtime, count time comes, I get up. Grab the mop, start mop. So first you sweep, and you mop, and you go clean the bathrooms, and pick up the trash. I remember I did that for like a good like six, seven months straight. You know what I mean? And, and in that time, I remember it was very mundane, and it was really quiet. Because, you know, you, during quiet time, everybody's really quiet. They have their headphones on, listening to music and whatnot. And I remember, you, you know, just, I'm mopping and going along. But I remember realizing, I want to do this good. You know, like it's like the first time in my life where I started developing a work ethic. And I wasn't even getting paid. Because they, they don't pay you to be a porter, you know what I mean? Like you work in the laundry, they pay you 30 cents an hour. Porter, you get nothing. You're just, you're just basically working for the sense of being off your bunk during count time. Because it's like you get to kind of go around and mess around and have fun. So, you know, that wasn't pain. But all of a sudden, I wanted to do things well. I remember I was like thinking like, man, I'm going to clean this day room and I'll make it clean. I make sure that when we come back here, the, the, the mop, the, the, the floor is still wet and shiny. You know what I mean? And at that time, God was developing my faithfulness. I didn't know it, but it was in that mundane assignment that God was setting me up. He was building my character. And when I came to Korea, I got deported. I came to Korea. They made me go and become, they, I had to do the Korean army. But instead of going to the army, I had to do this, this public service. And I got, I, I got, I got picked to give out parking tickets. Man, it's mad mundane, dude. You just drive around with some Ajishi and you just go up to cars and you put the sticker, put the sticker, go back in the car, go to the next car, get out of the car, put the sticker, and put another sticker on top. You know? 
You do that like 30, 40 times a day. And you just go to the same area, same neighborhoods every day. It got really mundane. But I remember God, even in that time, like I didn't want to just slack off. You know, I, was, I still wanted to do things right. I remember all the Ajashis wanted me. Like, oh, Chinoan, I want Chinoan. Because I, I, like, I, didn't, I wasn't like messing around. I wasn't like talking on the phone. But I would always talk with the Ajashis, you know, have good conversation with them. And this is when God was really bringing me back to the Lord. I remember I had this one man, he was a, he was a Changnunim, and he's like, he's like, do you, he's like I, go, I, go, I go, do you go to church? And he's like, yeah, I'm a Changnunim. I was like, oh, really? And he was like, yeah, I go to church. And we had this long conversation, and I got to really tell him my testimony. And he was like, oh, you, you're messed up, right? <laughs> but I remember those moments where every day I go and I had to give a parking ticket. And it was so mundane. And even, even as I got raised up as a leader, you know, I became on the media team. These two will tell you, the media team, I was the leader of the media team, very mundane, doing the same thing every day and Sunday. And then I became a leadership coach. And I thought, yeah, man, this is going to be exciting. But all I did was order books and, and make small group assignments. And I didn't even have a small group because, you know, leadership coaches don't get a small group. So everybody had all these crazy testimonies of what was happening in the small groups. And I was like, yeah, I ordered those books. I, I, I checked those accountability forms. Now, Pastor Anita will tell you, man, it was hard, but it was really mundane. It wasn't relational. You know what I mean? But all of this was preparing me for something. It was giving me character. It was giving me faithfulness in small things, in the things in the mundane for me to do this work that I'm doing here now, being a camp- campus pastor here in Busan. And you know what? Throughout the, the, li- the mundane life that I've been living, I, I have this thing where I'm not above any job. I could do anything. If God calls me, right now at Sharky's, man, there's times where I clean the bathroom. There's times where I mop the kitchen, mop everywhere. And I'm not above that. I mean, you know, that's the heart that God wants for us. Is that, you know, we have to be willing to go through the mundane. We have to be willing to do what God calls us to, no matter what it is, even though it's not exciting. You know, another example of people glorifying God in the mundane are Korean-American parents. Some of you guys are Korean-American, and I want to use my mom as an example, man. God developed my mom's sense of calling the mundane. My mom was a, she worked at a laundromat for like 30 years. You know what you do at a laundromat? You iron clothes. You know, they may look different, but it's the same thing every time. <laughs> like, oh, this one is blue. <laughs> oh, this one is red. But you're doing the same thing over and over again. And my mom, she did that faithfully for like 30 years of her life. But it will, you know what? You're not going to find another woman that's more faithful than my mom. And you're not going to find a woman that has more character than my mom. My mom went through some crazy stuff with me. Man, I like, I like, when I, and I, when I was in my rebellious stage, man, I did crazy things. I would steal money from my family, buy drugs, come back to steal more. And my mom was like, what are you doing here? And I'd run away. And my mom went through all of this. But you know what? When I was in prison, she came to visit me every, mo- every month. Always put money in my, in my account. And she, she always told me, I love you. No matter what you go through, I love you. You're my son. And, and, and you know, any, any other mom would have left me, dropped me years ago. But it's that character that God developed in her. Through those mundane assignments, she built up so much that character that no matter what kind of messed up son she had she had faith and she had she knew that god was going to turn it off for for her good 
and for my good. God develops your character in the mundane. Let me tell you. That's my second point. God develops your character. He also develops your faithfulness in the mundane. And my third point goes out to some of you single people today. My third point is some of you guys will find marriage in the mundane. And some of you guys are like, man, I won't get married. Roy's like, man, I need to get married soon. Noble's like, man, I need to get married soon. Who else is in here saying, I need to get married soon? A lot of you guys are saying, I need to get married soon. But you know what? You, you could find marriage in the mundane. What happened with Rebecca? What was she doing when the servant saw her? She was just drawing up water. She was just doing the mundane assignments that she was doing, but she was doing it faithfully, and she was doing it with character. And you look at Ruth. What was she doing when Boaz found her? She was gathering wheat. She was doing the same thing that she was doing every day. She was being faithful in her mundane assignments. I'm here to tell you that if you glorify God in the mundane, if you're faithful in your mundane assignments, and if you allow God to develop your character, to develop your faithfulness, you will find marriage in the mundane. You know, me and Pastor Mina, our relationship, it might, when I tell you the story, it might sound romantic, it might sound re- re- exciting, but the place where me and Mina were first connected was really in a place of the mundane. You know, like, I remember she lived right by my house in, in Seoul. So she lived like a block, like right behind my house. And, and we were friends, but like every day, every, like once a week, she would call me and say, hey, can you move my car? I was like, all right. And I go, I have to walk to her house, get the key from the mailbox, start the car, move the car, and go back home. And she made me do that at least once a week. She asked me, can you, can you move my car? Hey, the guy just called me. Can you move my car? I was like, all right. And every time she did I did it faithfully. No, it wasn't because I liked her. She thinks I liked her. I think she, I think she thinks I liked her, but it wasn't. It wasn't. I was just, I, I was, you know what, she's, she's, she's an admin, she works for our church, I'm just going to be faithful, whatever she says. And I was working for the preschool at our church, and so, you know, I was like the only English speaker in our church Monday through Friday, basically. And so, you know, I, our church, it has a preschool, and I was working for that preschool. And then in the middle of the day, she would call me, hey, uh, can you go up to the sanctuary and get those forms that are in the safe? And I was like, all right. Because <laughs> basically what it meant was I had to leave the, leave the preschool, Go downstairs, all the way to the body, to the Kuali Ajashi, get the key, climb five, six flights of stairs, go up to the sanctuary, unlock it, and get the key, and then go up to the actual sanctuary, unlock it, and get the forms, and go back to the thing, put the the main keys back, lock up everything, go back down to the Kuali Ajashi, give him back the keys, and then come back to the preschool. And there were times when she asked me to do this two times, three times in one day. I was like, man... But I did it faithfully. Like she would call me and say, can you pick up these, these print? I, I had, we had these things printed out. Can you go to the printing man down the street? And can you pick this up for us? And I'd be like, all right. And I think there was only one time when I said no. And that's not because I liked her. You know what I mean? But it was in that place of the mundane where our friendship developed. It wasn't from talking over coffee for hours and, and being like, you know, like friends. It, it was just in the everyday assignments that she put me on. And she, she, we encountered each other in that place. Right? And in that place, she knew my faithfulness. And she, in that place is where she said, you know what? Home, homeboy has some character. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
homie, homie got some character, you know? This is, this is where, where we connected in that place, you know what I mean? And, and I think, I think it, it kind of wooed her heart a little bit, you know? But I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you guys, is in the mundane, if you're faithful in the mundane, God would develop your character, your faithfulness, and he, you will find marriage in the mundane. God develops your faithfulness, your character. Some of you guys will even find marriage in the mundane, but it all boils down, it boils down to the fact that God develops your sense of call in the mundane. And you may ask, well, you know, how do we know that Rebecca had a sense of call? I mean, she, she may have been faithful, she may have had character, but how, how do we know that she had a strong sense of call? And when we read down, in verse 54 of chapter 24 of Genesis, I'm going to read it to you. This is a servant, and he's saying, and he and the men who were with them, they, they said, you know what, Rebecca's great, perfect for Isaac. So he's like, all right, he ate with him and drank, and they spent the night there. When he arose in the morning, he says, send me away to my master. He's like, let me go. Let me go back to Isaac. Let me go back to Abraham. Her, her, her brother her, and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a little while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. But he said to them, do not delay. Do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away and may I go and, and, and I, send me away that I may go back to my master. He's like, man, let me go back. Let me take Rebecca. I'm going to go back. And we, I'm going to you know, finish this, this covenant that I made with Abraham. This promise that I made. It, I've succeeded. I'm going to go back. I'm going I'm to go back now. And then he said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. She didn't hesitate. She didn't second guess herself. She didn't have any doubts. Because why? Because God was already speaking to her in the mundane. God was already developing her sense of call in the mundane. By saying, I will go. And saying, you know what? I know the plans that God has for me. I know that this is what God has called to me. This is, this is the moment for all those waters that I, I, I drew, for all those, those laundries that I had to do, for all the, the, the wheat that I picked, this is the moment that God has prepared me for. And, and there was no hesitation. She had a sense of call, and it was developed in the mundane. You know, some of, let me tell you, some of the greatest revelations that I get from God come in the mundane. I'm telling you, when I'm doing the dishes, and Mina, she kind of gets mad because like, one day I'll come to church and I'll say something. And they're like, what, what, when were you thinking of that? And I was like, it was when I was doing the dishes. But you know what? You guys, a lot of you guys go through the mundane and you guys kind of shut off your mind. You guys are vacuuming. You guys listen to music. That's all good. But in those moments of the mundane is when you, if your mind is aware and if your mind is awake, you can encounter God. You can encounter God in the mundane. And, and it can be the most exciting thing. You can be, Hanging up laundry. And you'd be like, oh, God, that's awesome. <laughs> that is amazing. But you have to be aware. You have to be open. Your mind has to be switched on when you're doing the mundane assignments. I want to close with this. When we talk about the call of God, we think about the grand and mighty, mighty and awesome things. We think about the signs, miracles, and wonders. We think about the divine appointments and the prophetic words that we get. And we say, Jesus, the Son of God, he did miracles. He did signs and wonders. The apostles did the same. They did miracles, signs, and wonders. And this is the call of God. And what am I, what am I doing? I'm just teaching these kids. 
difference between have and has. And, and, and the, you know, it's before we ask that questions, we can't forget about what the apostles did before they were called. What were they doing? They were fishermen. They were collecting taxes. They were doing all these mundane assignments. You know, if we look further, we look at the life of Jesus, the Son of God. Before he got sent into his ministry, what was he doing? He was a carpenter. He was making and fixing furniture. He was doing mundane assignments. Jesus embraced the mundane. Brothers and sisters, the beauty of the Christian life is to glorify God in the mundane. The everyday routine aspects of your life, we have to find God. We must establish God's authority and rule and manifest His love and faith in the mundane. And as God's people do that, we rise up in our sense of call. And as we rise up in our sense of call, and we start to go, and we start saying, you know what, I will go. And as we start walking out our cause, we too will be, reun- will be reunited with our groom. And at the end of this chapter, Rebecca is going. And from a distance, she sees Isaac. And then Isaac is out there in the field like, oh. And he looks up. He's like, huh? And sees this girl on a camel come, coming towards her. And says, this beautiful marriage. This beautiful union. And. I'm here to tell you that when we rise up into our call, when men of God and when women of God find, find their sense of call in their lives and, and we're doing and we're, we're, we're being faithful and we're going out there and doing the things that God calls us to do, we're able to experience intimacy with our, with our groom that we wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to if we weren't. We need to keep the call of God that's on our life sacred. We've got to develop our sense of call. Let's pray. Roy, can you come up and play some music for us? You know, a lot of us today, you guys, you guys have great hopes. You guys have great plans. You guys have amazing things that you think that God wants for you, and those are all true. Those are all true. And whatever, the, 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 the biggest and the greatest dream that you can possibly have, God's like, yeah, man, I want that for you. That, that's, our, that's the heart of our Father. But you know what? If you were there right now, it would probably destroy you. And God's saying, I need you to develop your sense of call. I need you to be faithful in this, in the mundane assignments that I give you. I need you to develop your character. I need you to develop faithfulness. I need you to find me in the everyday assignments that I give you. Because it's in those places where you're going to develop your sense of call that I give you. And brothers and sisters, I challenge you today to look at your jobs differently. I challenge you today to look, look at your life here in Korea differently. Look at standing in the subway, going to Samyeon differently. Because it's in those moments, in those mundane moments that you do every day, that God is, He's he's waiting and He's aching and He's desiring to connect with you. And so Father God, I thank you, Lord, for every single person 
in this room and I thank you for an amazing 2012 and I thank you Lord for all the testimonies and the amazing things that you did through us and in us and Lord we look towards 2013 and we say Lord we will do whatever you call us to Lord we will go Lord when you call us we say we will go but Lord help us to be faithful help us to have character help us Lord to find you in the mundane things God because it's in those places where you're going to develop our sense of call you're going to develop and and, and and the things that you call us to is going to be so much more real it's going to be so much more powerful. It's going to be so it's going to be so real to us because you've developed our sense of call. We know that this is where we belong. We know that this is exactly what you want for me. But Lord, help us to take the steps. Help us to live it out. Help us to walk it out. Help us to be a men and women of character and faithfulness. And Lord, we pray that you will develop our sense of call in that place of the mundane in the place where we sometimes shut off our brain God we pray that you will encounter us and that you will encounter us with power and revelation God we bless you today we love you we thank you Lord for everything that you've done and we thank you for everything that you will do and in Jesus name we pray Amen